Hello, I'm Juliet Bullock, Head of Strategic Initiatives at Stellity International. Welcome to the latest episode of the CFA UK's In Conversation podcast. This is the show for investment professionals focusing on a whole manner of topics and interesting insights that are affecting the profession today. And in this episode, I'm talking to Baroness Helena Morrissey about how we can unlock and support female talent, both to enhance women's careers and improve gender parity in the industry. Helena, welcome. And why don't you say a little bit more about your background? Thanks, Juliet. So I've spent over three decades in the fund management industry, starting off as a fixed income fund manager. Um, I founded the 30% Club back in 2010, which was aimed at getting more women on corporate boards. Um, and now I chair the Diversity Project, which is actually aiming to improve diversity and inclusion in all dimensions across the investment and savings industry. Fantastic. That said, only one in 10 portfolio managers today are women. Uh, and so with women still being widely underrepresented in the, in the investment industry, uh, a commitment to improving gender diversity is much discussed. However, as we can see, progress remains glacially slow. But the world of work is changing. And to help more women succeed in their careers in this space, I know the Diversity Project have launched a pathway program dedicated to developing female portfolio managers of the future. And this sits really well alongside the CFA UK's Young Women in Investment Programme, which is tackling the same issue, but from an entry level perspective. And it's initiatives uh, like these that provide the opportunity for firms to really take positive action uh, and stand by their DE&I uh, pledges. So Helena, how can we inspire women to take the steps to pursue a career as a portfolio manager in your view? I'm afraid I don't think there's a silver bullet. And I think one of the um, obstacles is really that people sometimes think culturally they're not going to be um, having a good time. Uh, I'm afraid the image of the city is still very macho. Um, I think people picture wolves of Wall Street and so forth. And of course, you and I know that fund management isn't like that at all, especially not these days. Um, so I think we do have to encourage women to really believe. And obviously, again, there's role models like yourself, me, and so plenty of people can go out and talk really about how much we love our job actually and how great it can be and also one thing that frustrates me about the lack of women we have in fund management is that it's a fantastic career for anybody who wants to be judged on results so unlike uh, say law which attracts more than half of the entrants are women where you're judged on billable hours you know that's the measure you know at the end of the quarter at the end of the, the year at the end of the whatever period you're being measured over if your performance your fund management performance is great then um, doesn't matter what you've done with your life, really. And you, I've certainly been able to combine, you know, large family with a successful career in management. So we just got to tell that story, I think, more. I think that's right. I think the the, the image of um, financial services has has got a long a long way to go. But beyond that, what are the typical barriers that you've uh, heard of for women engaging in investment jobs? I think there is still a real sort of chicken and egg problem. So I was, when I started managing money, the only woman in a team of 16. And I've got to say that was a fairly miserable experience because it was quite confidence sapping. I didn't feel, I felt I needed to blend in. And obviously that was pretty hopeless as an ambition. Um, then I had my first child and that drew more attention to the fact that I was a woman. I was approached quite recently by a young woman who's also just started managing money. And she told me, you know, she said, the problem is, Helena, I'm the only woman in a team of 15. And I think this is something that we have to think very carefully about how to how to help women in that situation. Um, there is, I think, a sense that if we do attract women in the first place, and I applaud what the CFA is doing in this 
regard. Obviously, we don't at present have 50-50 at the intake level, but the women that do join, unfortunately, many of them don't stay. They don't feel this is the right environment for them. Uh, so we have to work, and I don't think women are hard work, of course. It's just that we're maybe a bit different sometimes, and we have slightly different ways of working, slightly different life aspirations sometimes than men. Um, and that requires quite a, a gender-intelligent management approach. And again, in our industry, often people are promoted to be managers of people because they're brilliant at their day job, not necessarily because they are particularly people persons, you know. So um, I think we need to equip managers with the understanding and, and the tools, the techniques to really carefully and thoughtfully manage the, the few women that they might have in their team and listen to the women more in terms of any cultural problems that they're suffering, any areas where they don't feel, you know, they're, they're part of the team. Wise words indeed. How can a programme like the Pathway programme that the Diversity Project has just launched uh, support exactly those things that you've, you've just outlined, Helena? So, well, the Pathway programme is, um, I'm going to sound very grand here, grandiose, a world first in the sense that it's a very targeted intervention. So, as I said, I've been in the industry for three decades longer than that. And myself, I've launched, you know, women's networking things. Uh, we've done a lot of sort of you know, trying to help women succeed and so forth. But there hasn't been anything that said, actually, if you have ambitions to be a fund manager, this is how you do it. Um, and it's designed specifically to complement the CFA exams on the job training. And each woman on it has to have a sponsor as well. So this is, again, not a question of firms sending women on the course and saying, you know, washing their hands of the whole thing. They've been there, done that. It's all sorted. They've got to support the women as well. But this program is um, it's brought to the industry by the industry. So the people who've designed the curriculum are all either or mainly either present fund managers or former fund managers. Um, and there are five you know, themes that we have um, adopted and we've built the curriculum about that. Again, tackling directly the things that we have found, either impediments or things we just wish someone had taken us to one side and taught us more about. So there's technical skills, um, sometimes the things that often we delegate to men, like you know, coding or modern trading techniques, things that women might think, oh, I don't know much about that, and then not understand it and not feel that they can ask the questions. Behavioral skills, how to present in a room full of men, for example, um, how to build your confidence, uh, how to be a leader, um, how to overcome imposter syndrome. We have how to be a great investor. I think that speaks for itself. And then career activism is another theme. And we're saying, and I certainly believe this very strongly from my own experience, you have to take control of your own destiny. You have to take responsibility to a large degree for your own career and therefore, you know, position yourself for the role that you want. And last, but by no means least, in my opinion, we have the theme pay it forward. And again, I want to encourage women. I mean, already the 60 participants that we have in the first uh, cohort they are a ready-made community amongst themselves, but we want to encourage them to turn around and help the next generation coming up behind them. We are intending to make this an annual program, um, but the idea is that, you know, we, we become sort of self-supporting and, um, you know, create a real sort of network of strong, confident women who um, get those named fund manager roles. It sounds really, really interesting, and I'd love to come back to a couple of the points you've made, but before I do that, I'm really interested to hear how the partner firms are helping. So you mentioned having a sponsor. What other involvement from the firms themselves? So uh, participant firms are helping in a number of ways. This is a very much um, a, a self-created program. So many are supplying or have supplied someone who is part of our, pro, um, our team that has been, has been developing the curriculum. And then um, many are teaching the program. 
Uh, so, for example, someone's volunteered to teach say, all about risk and how to manage your sort of psychological barriers when it comes to uh, taking risk. Um, so, again, it's very much sort of brought to the industry by the industry. And then some of the firms are hosting events. Uh, we met with our participants before we actually formally launched the program in January of this year. And we asked them, you know, to look at the draft that we'd produced, of what they were going to learn. And they said, actually, we want more in-person events, uh, which was music to my ears, because I do think that really helps to create strong relationships between people. So a number of the firms have come forward and offered their um, facilities for having networking breakfasts, for having the, the mid-year uh, event, which will be a fantastic presentation from a voice coach to famous actors and actresses. And then uh, we'll have a graduation ceremony at the end, which I'm really looking forward to. That sounds really hands-on from, from the partner firm, so it's good to hear. I'm interested to go back to one of the one of the uh, the key themes that you you'd mentioned around career activism, and you said it was something that was close to your heart. Can you say a little bit more about that? Because I do think it's an area that women in particular probably need to step up and step into a little more. I had a very strong um, sort of experience early on in my career, or a very sort of career defining moment, I suppose. I got passed over for a promotion in my first role, and I realized that you know, I was working incredibly hard, but I was sort of in a corner expecting someone to sort of notice what I was doing. My head was down, and I expected someone to tap me on the shoulder and say, Here's a promotion, or here's a pay rise. And I realized that from that experience, it doesn't happen like that. You have to, as it were, plot, you have to position yourself. And so, in my next role at another firm, if I wasn't invited to join, say, a new investment forum to discuss this, issue in the markets I would ask or I would put up my hand when someone said oh does anyone want to speak to this client event or conference and I realized that you can make yourself more visible more essential part of the team and you can have people think about you in a certain way that means that then when they come around promotions or the compensation round they will think of you and it was a very useful lesson but I see so many women like me working incredibly long hours but not really getting the recognition for it and um, I think they should be a bit more self-promoting even if it doesn't come naturally. I think that's an experience that, that we've seen and, 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 and felt ourselves as well. And so what can the women in the Pathway programme expect to learn or be directed around in this area? to do more of will be um and here georgina taylor who's at invesco head of multi-asset there she is helping us with this um as i say it's a sort of you know we're all sharing out the responsibilities she is helping with um coming up with a career development plan template for all of the participants and they will complete that in the spring of this year and then we will revisit that in the autumn um and obviously again this is to to be self-aware, you know what are what are your own ambitions you know where do you see yourself in three years time five years time um what are your broader life ambitions as well? And then if there are things that might be missing from your own you know, diagnosis of your strengths at present, how can you fill those gaps? So, so some of it's going to be very pointed, as it were. You know, let's plan your career. Obviously, life will not quite work out for anybody the way that you might plan it. But, you know, that's part of the learning that will come from the behavioral skills as well. You know, how do you overcome setbacks? Um, how do you um, navigate maternity um for example that's something that the participants ask for help um, um so so it's designed to be you know not carved in stone but to give people the tools to to really respond positively to opportunities create opportunities where they're none um and deal with setbacks thinking things through having a plan as you say no we're not always going to execute the plan but having the plan in the first place super helpful so that makes a lot of sense actually Building on, on that, what, what, in your experience, what do you see uh, as the, the, the key sort of decision points in a woman's career? And how, how can they 
impact their career trajectory? So, um, in fact, uh, the Diversity Project for its International Women's Day broadcast this year is doing um, six stages in a career. So we've got six women right the way through from, you know, just made it out of an internship, um, right the way to CEO. And I'm really looking forward to hearing what they all have to say. But I do think, you know, what clearly some of it's decisions and some of it's about how you respond to the circumstances around you. Um, Having children is not for everybody, but is certainly something where a lot of women report difficulties, uh, especially if they work in a very male-dominated team. Um, and certainly, uh, as I've mentioned, that resonates with my own experiences. But school is not the only one. And I do think um, all the evidence suggests that women find it harder to ask for pay rises. Um, they find it harder to, um, you know, to take that activist approach about their own career. And, and they find it hard to exhibit I think sometimes ambition, to express ambition. And that can happen, I think, at any point. But it's about being, I think, overall, um, I would suggest if we can help women to feel that this is actually part of what it is to build a career. It's not because you're a woman you need to do this. But actually, we often, and I'm sorry to generalise, but certainly um, I see this with my children, you know, that they girls prepare for exams in an incredibly methodical, hardworking way. And it's a very objective assessment, obviously. And the boys, yes, of course, they work hard, but there's a little bit more, you know, slightly more relaxed about the whole thing. And they're thinking of the broader picture and, you know, well, what else could I, should I be doing for the longer term? Jobs are not objective. You know, careers are not an objective assessment and building relationships, uh, doing the sort of extracurricular activities sometimes, you know, helping with a program, helping with some new initiative at a firm. And so, again, I don't think you can target it as one particular moment, but it's incredibly important that women are conscious of this and, again, think it through carefully. I think that's right. It's just that sort of business-like approach at, at all stages, um, trying to sort of step back and look at things uh, objectively. That certainly, that certainly helped me. Out of interest, how, were there any surprising outcomes um, that you weren't expecting when you were when you've been developing with your team the Pathway program? You've seen an awful lot of trends and, and um, potential impacts. But were there things that surprised you? Yes, and actually, I'm happy to say they've been all on the positive side so far. But one of the most amazing things was we weren't sure, you know, um, you know, if firms would support the program. That was great. You know, we'd only set trying to get twenty to twenty five uh, firms participate and. We got more than that. But I think then sourcing the female applicants for the program, um, I mean, one firm told us, and they were not alone, but they expressed it very graphically. They said, you know, we weren't sure if we could fill the two places. So we kind of advertised internally for this, and they had 20 applicants. This was repeated in other firms. So basically what it's what it's undone is it's, uh, or done is it's signaled that women have ambitions to be fund managers, but they haven't been sure how to express it. We have encouraged firms to allow women to apply for it who may not be in investment roles or investment teams at present. So they're not even part, they might be in compliance, they might be in marketing. And again, about a quarter of the first year's cohort are from non-investment teams. And so that has surprised me. We've got a couple of people, you know, one with, I think, 18 years experience, but as a lawyer. And again, she said, well, I wouldn't know how to, I could move over from one to the other. There's been no route to do that. And so what I'm excited about is I think what we've managed to uncover is actually a much greater pool of potential female fund managers than any of us might have thought. Um, and of course, if we are trying to move from, I think it's 12% um, 
not that you know it's much different from the one in 10 figure that you voted at the start Juliet but you know 12 percent uh women who are named fund managers um of portfolios in the UK then we need women to be ambitious and to um you know to then have the chance to fulfill that ambition so that's been exciting um and then another surprise really has been the firms have said because I'm a little bit nervous sometimes you think again people send people on a course and they think job done but a couple of firms said actually we want to make sure that there's a role for the women when they sort of graduate so we've actually chosen two women who we think aren't quite ready yet but after another year very intensive and also working obviously on the day job etc that there are two roles ready for them to take on. So I'm excited about that because I think actually this is not going to be like an academic exercise. We're going to see a change in the numbers. That genuinely does sound exciting, Verna. So that's uh, thank you for sharing that. What do you hope ultimately then that the long-term legacy of the Pathway Programme uh, will be? An absolute revolution in the proportion of female fund managers. Um, and if we do the numbers, I mean, there are less, um, and I'm using data uh, from CityWire because they compiled this, annually and globally as well as by, by country, um, there are less than 200 female fund managers in the UK. Um, and, and they're the definition is they have to be named to a fund, um, not just sort of part of an investment team. So less than 200. We've got 60 women in the first year. They won't obviously all, perhaps at the end of it, they'll say they don't want to be a fund manager. But if we run this programme, even without expanding it, if we run this programme over four years, say, we could double the proportion of, of female fund managers which is hugely exciting. And that's that's ultimately going to be the success um, or failure of the programme. Um, it's a very targeted, as I say, very targeted intervention with a very specific goal to finally do something about that glacial pace of progress that you mentioned at the start. Love the ambition, uh, I really do. Um, so that's fantastic. And, and of all the things that are going on to get this underway and to get that outcome that you just outlined, what do you think the most critical things are in to, to, to achieve that 20% female fund manager by 2026 goal that you have? So I, I think it is going to be a very much a team effort. You know, that's what, one thing I would really like to, your listeners to, to take from this, because again, we can devise, a, you know, might be the best program ever, but if then there's no opportunities for the women, if they don't see any kind of cultural you know, change if there's no support for them back at the ranch, as it were, um, we're not going to, you know, achieve that progress. So I believe, and the, and the exciting thing of, of seeing many CEOs, you know, I mean, I think it was the first weekend after I put out an email to our the Diversity Projects Advisory Council, who would welcome this, you know, would this be of interest? We had 10 firms signed up, including some of the most prestigious names in the industry. And that was so exciting, but it showed it was necessary at this point. So I've just been very conscious of saying, you know, make sure that you've got a sponsor who's really engaged on this. We've got to have the women really take advantage of the uh, programme. Um, the message, we've had uh, three sessions so far, um, four, four th imminent um, message very clearly, you know, you have this fantastic opportunity, make the most of it. So I don't see this um, line, you know, being responsibility of, of any one individual, um, but I believe that collectively, if we absolutely determine, then we will achieve that progress we seek. I'm very glad you mentioned our listeners, Helena, um, because I'm keen to hear from you how we, um, we think that the CFA UK podcast listeners can get involved. How can they support uh, this programme? Well, we're always in the market for 
for enthusiastic teachers. We'd love to expand the programme to more firms next year. We've already had some say they want to join in next year. Um, please go to our website. Sorry about the shameless ad here, diversityproject.com. But if you you'll, you can read more about the programme, you can see who's already involved. If your firm's not involved and you want to find out more, there's an info at diversityproject.com email address. So please get in touch. Um, as this is the more the merrier. And, and ultimately, we'd love it to go global. One of the fascinating things that happened, and you probably have a global audience, um, was uh, as we launched this, we got, people got in touch from the States, from uh, continental European countries, from Asia, saying, please, can we have this here? And we said, well, let's just make a success of the, of the pilot, or as it were, the first year. Um, but let's, let's, let's think about how we can leverage it. If it works, could we expand it globally? Could we expand it to be you know, more female traders? Could it be more ethnic minority fund managers? You know, there are lots of different avenues that this could take. So please look it up and get in touch if you'd like to help. Thank you so much, Helena, for both talking to me, but also telling us all about uh, the Diversity Projects Pathway Programme, which sounds really exciting. Thanks to everyone uh, for listening. Remember to look out for the next episode of our In the Conversation podcast through the usual CFA UK email and social media channels. You can also subscribe so you don't miss an episode through the CFA UK SoundCloud channel or Apple Podcasts. Mm -hmm.